1: I I,
2: I would like to reclaim my time from being blatantly interrupted. This is uncalled for. We are better than this. It's been five months since voters in Southlake, Texas, delivered a landslide election victory to two school board candidates opposed to the district's diversity plan. And if you're wondering if things in town have settled down since then, here's a clip from a recent Carroll school board meeting. Every time I exercise my freedom as an American, I'm pushing back against y'all and I will not stop.
3: Mr. Rand, I need you to.
2: Is that the resource officer that y'all oh, said it would take to to stop you? Okay, I need a police officer. I'm here, stop. Y'all have a good night. Thank
4: right. you. We're That's the sound go. of a pro diversity plan speaker talking after her time was up, while diversity plan opponents shout at her from the audience. In the middle of the chaos, a black mother approaches the board to ask for help controlling the crowd. And the voice you hear calling for a police officer? officer. That's conservative board member Hannah Smith, reacting to the mother who'd approached the dais.
1: All right, we are going to take a recess at 5.40 p.m.
2: So not exactly on the fast track to reconciliation. And the agenda item that had everyone animated at that August board meeting? And I cannot believe you want to hold a special election. Um you after what this town just went through
4: I'll that's right a special okay. election one of the carroll school board members who supported the diversity plan resigned this summer and moved out of south lake and rather than simply appointing someone to fill out the remainder of his term the board agreed to let voters decide the result this november the city of south lake is holding its second high-stakes school board election of 2021 this time the results will determine which side has majority control of the board.
2: Just like in the spring, South Lake Families PAC is throwing its support and funding behind a candidate who has spoken against new diversity and inclusion programs.
4: Our first speaker is Andrew Yeager. Can you see me and hear me, ma'am? Back in August 2020, Andrew Yeager, a white dad of three, was the very first resident called to comment before the school board voted on the diversity plan.
0: I can hear you.
4: Okay. I'd like to clearly communicate my passionate request to the board to reject the proposed cultural competence action plan. Full disclosure, Yeager is a regional ad sales director for TV stations owned by NBC Universal, the same media company behind this podcast. He didn't respond to our messages requesting an interview. It is a political agenda to fully change our great school. It's an attack on our tradition of excellence, which has been a unifying force for all Dragon students of every race, religion, and ethnicity.
2: Diversity plan supporters, meanwhile. My name is Stephanie Williams, and I'm running for the school board trustee, place seven. Are backing a former teacher and white mother of four named Stephanie Williams. We spoke to her by phone and asked why she supports new diversity programs at Carroll. Not to be hyperbolic, but I believe that our children's futures are at stake, whatever it's called, whether it's just diversity training, whether it's a social-emotional uh, education, I do believe that we need that in our schools. I think listening to the podcast, it's clear that even the leaders in our school district aren't equipped with the skills to be able to respond appropriately in incidents of uh, racism or discrimination, And I believe strongly we need to address that.
4: Once again, voters in Southlake will be asked to choose between these two visions and determine the future direction of the school district.
2: On this special episode, we're going to talk with the man who set this showdown in motion, former Carroll School Board member David Almond. We'll be discussing his tumultuous tenure on the board, why he supported the district's cultural competence action plan, and why he decided to walk away before his term was
5: finished. Every disagreement has become an argument, and every argument has become just this polarizing clash of of cultures.
4: But we're also going to be tracking this story beyond Southlake. We'll be talking with an embattled principal from a neighboring town and educators from across the country who've been disciplined or pressured to resign as a result of the growing national divide over the way schools teach and talk about racism.
6: This is happening to Matthew and his small school district in Tennessee. Then, damn it, it's coming to New York and LA and Chicago and St. Louis, and we should all be concerned about this movement.
4: From NBC News, I'm Mike Kixenbaugh.
2: I'm Antonia Hilton,
4: and this is a special bonus episode of South Lake. So, Dave, I think just to start, can you introduce
5: yourself? Yeah, Dave Almond, former Carroll ISD trustee, retired Air Force, military.
2: During his military days, Dave Almond used to fly C-17s, huge cargo planes that transport troops and equipment. He was a wing commander at Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland before retiring as a colonel in 2014. That's when he and his wife moved back home to Texas and chose Southlake as the place to raise their teenage sons.
5: My wife works as a pilot for American Airlines, and Southlake just just really stands out for the the academic rigor and the uh, extracurricular opportunities. In
4: 2017, Allman was appointed to serve on the Carroll School Board after another member stepped down. In 2019, he was elected to serve a full three-year term.
5: That was one of the reasons to serve, too, was to give back.
2: That three-year term was supposed to run through the spring of 2022, But this summer, Allman decided to resign. His kids had both graduated, and he and his wife were ready to move into a smaller place in Dallas. The acrimony in town and the political attacks against Carroll school board members were also big factors.
5: I thought we were on a great track in the right place. You know, you'd second guess when and how and what we could have done different.
2: He's part of a growing number of school board members across the country who've called it quits this year, after enduring months of attacks from parents protesting anti-racism programs and COVID safety measures, and preventing boards from getting much done.
5: Part of that was just just a feeling of of uh, no longer being effective too, it was kind of this this mire that we're going through, and felt like uh, I'd failed these students, and maybe you know somebody else could uh, could do better out there.
4: As we reported the series, we tried repeatedly to get members of the Carroll School Board to talk to us. They were the ones taking the brunt of the criticism from angry parents, especially the five who voted for the CCAP.
1: Miss Moore, you cannot shut us up. You cannot keep us quiet. Nobody has any respect for you.
4: But those five board members were all named as defendants in the civil lawsuit filed by a mother over the diversity plan. And because of the temporary restraining order issued by a judge in the case, none of them were willing to record interviews. Now, with Almond stepping down and having been formally dropped from the lawsuit, he said he was ready to talk about his time on the board and about why he thinks the district's diversity efforts went so badly
5: yeah, this uh quick spread of false misinformation that what this plan's intent all along was to to bring critical race theory into our our schools and and uh, and convince our white students, you know, that they're bad and evil, too, was was furthest from the truth. You know, what we're looking for was really to create that environment where, where every student feels valued and part of the team and nothing that
2: we told us he didn't think the diversity plan was perfect, but he supported it because he believed students of color deserved action. He thought many of the changes proposed by the District Diversity Council in the Cap were a good place to start.
5: The, the leadership of this committee, they were willing to compromise. They had accepted to, in this draft, to, to pull out the microaggression, to, to pull out some of the other things that were the most controversial. Again, I wasn't on that committee, but there's, a, there's another draft just sitting on the, the shelf out there that I think, you know, probably 90% of the community would, would agree to. But it's, unfortunately, it's still frozen with the court orders that are, that are still currently uh, in in place.
4: Almond a registered Republican, said he couldn't believe it when residents started accusing the board of trying to force a radical liberal agenda onto the town. Allman's support for the CCAP wasn't inspired by Marxism, he said. It was based on his experience in the military.
5: I supported the plan, and, and one example of, of what success looked like to me was what I experienced with women in the military in the 90s.
4: Back then, more women were being allowed to serve as pilots in squadrons where most of the other service members were men. Um,
5: in that environment, uh, there was, you know, inappropriate behavior actions uh, that that were tolerated. And we learned was, yeah, sure, you could ask that one female, hey, does this Sports Illustrated calendar bother you? And they said no, so it must be okay. But we were surprised when they didn't show up at the social events they didn't want to, to be on the softball team. Okay, like, hey, why aren't they a team player? Well, because we weren't making them feel like part of the team. We were we were not valuing them the same and treating them with dignity and respect. Um, we needed to learn that. We couldn't just do that with 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 discipline, with a code of conduct. That would just create resentment. What we needed to do was just truly understand, too, what's hurtful and what makes someone not feel valued, too.
2: Allman says back, he like, saw a, a similar before. dynamic playing out in South Lake. Understand. The town had grown more diverse over the past 10 years and many students of color and LGBTQ students didn't feel fully welcomed and supported at Carroll. As Alman put it,
5: not part of the team. When the majority understand that, they stop that behavior and they don't tolerate it with in that organization. And that I saw as a correlation to what that plan was really trying to do.
2: Alman sees what's happening in Southlake as part of a bigger national shift. He says moderate voices like his are being drowned out. Paraphrasing a recent speech by
5: former President George W. Bush, he said... And every disagreement has become a argument, and every argument has become just this this polarizing clash of of cultures. Did you start to think differently about whether this is a place you wanted a, a job that
4: you wanted to continue in?
5: Oh yeah, I won't uh, run for public office again. I I won't I won't. We're deterring lots of people from wanting to serve. I think, and that's that's gonna that's gonna hurt us also. And I, you know,
4: as for the future of Southlake. Almond says he's worried the fighting is only going to get
5: worse. I hope I'm wrong. I, you know, I hope maybe there, there, uh, there's still people willing to listen. There's still a large group that that has just been uh, given misinformation too. That I think we should still keep keep uh, clarifying their concerns. I don't think it's a rock bottom, but I'm optimistic too that uh, they'll they'll someday they'll get there.
4: Almond officially resigned from the board on July 30th. The election to determine his replacement will be held on November 2nd.
2: But Almond isn't the only official in the Dallas-Fort Worth suburbs now contemplating their future in education. When we come back, we'll share our conversation with the first black principal at nearby Colleyville Heritage High School, now suspended after residents accused him of pushing critical race theory.
6: UCSD Board of Trustees meeting is entered open session at 5.03 p.m. All trustees are present.
4: On the evening of September 20th, 2021, parents in a suburban district that borders Southlake packed into their school board meeting room to defend the first ever black principal at Colleyville Heritage High School.
1: The abysmal and racist treatment he has endured at the hands of this administration is unconscionable. Nothing short of a witch hunt. By going through with this, his termination, you are teaching students is acceptable and preferable to be intolerant, hateful, and fearful of others. They were talking
2: about Principal James Whitfield, who'd been accused by residents of forcing critical race theory onto his students. After Whitfield wrote a long social media post defending himself against the attacks and accusing some in the community of trying to turn him into a, quote, CRT boogeyman, the district suspended him.
4: At this September 20th meeting, The Grapevine Colleyville School Board was planning to vote on whether to begin a formal process to terminate Whitfield's contract. All of the 35 residents who talked before that vote spoke in support of Whitfield, including one Grapevine resident who seemed to have been paying attention to the diversity plan fight in the town next door.
5: What we have now is a reputation, and tonight I ask that the board begin to work to fix that reputation and foster an environment of inclusion and fairness. Um, I'm going to use Southlake as a verb. Please do not Southlake my grapevine. Thank you.
4: Ultimately, all seven board members voted to move forward with the process to potentially fire Whitfield. Afterward, the district superintendent addressed the crowd and denied that the principal was being punished for his views on racism.
5: This recommendation is not about Dr. Whitfield's race, it's not about critical race theory. It's not about certain individuals in our community calling for his resignation or his firing. The school district's
4: head of human resources followed with a list of reasons why the district was recommending Whitfield's termination. Number one, she said, Whitfield had shown deficiencies in his communication with district leaders, including a few instances that were first brought to Whitfield's attention last spring.
0: The second reason for the proposal is insubordination or failure to comply with official directives. Dr. Whitfield has diminished his effectiveness by dividing large sections of the community. By continuing to raise...
2: <laughs> <laughs>
7: Please stay quiet.
6: Let us continue. Okay.
0: Dr. Whitfield, I'll start over with that that paragraph. Dr. Whitfield <laughs> has you. diminished his effectiveness By dividing large sections of the community, by continuing to raise issues of critical race theory when no one in the district administration has accused Dr. Whitfield of doing so or even discussed it with him.
2: In other words, the district was saying it wasn't Whitfield's past comments about racism that got him into trouble with his bosses. It was his public reaction to the anti-CRT attacks and other shortcomings that predated them.
7: Yeah, so I'm James Whitfield, uh, educator here in Texas. Um,
2: we spoke with Whitfield a day after that September 20th board meeting. By then, his case had blown up in the national media.
4: Well, Dr. Whitfield, we're, we're talking to you. It's Tuesday morning. You had a busy night. Can you tell us a bit about what happened yesterday?
7: Yeah, it was a very long night. Um, but one of the really great things was, you know, there are 35 people showed up to speak. Uh, an open forum, every single one of them that got up to speak was uh, in support of who who I am and what I aspire to be as an educator. So that was, that was comforting uh, to feel that level of love and support and encouragement.
4: Whitfield says he's also gotten a lot of support from students. In September, more than 100 of them staged a walkout during school to protest his suspension.
7: One of the things that's been heavy on my heart over the course of this, because I miss my kids, They, they, I call them my kids. <laughs> they know how much I love them uh, and how much I miss being with them. And um, it's,
2: Whitfield it's so- said he traces all of his troubles back to a July 26 school board meeting when a white parent and former school board candidate accused him of pushing critical race theory and called for his firing.
5: Because of this extreme views, I ask that a full review of Mr. Whitfield's tenure in our district be examined and that his contract be terminated effective immediately.
7: Prior to July 26, there's there's not a mention uh, of me being put on leave, not a mention of anything non-renewal, anything like that. But after that, I was forced to defend myself, Um, and when I'd ask for help, um, it would be met with some kind of, well... Actually, it, the, the, the gaslighting started to happen, right? Well, you're the one dividing the community. And so I believe that the district's saying that it's not tied to CRT or those comments made at the board meeting. There's no way you can disconnect those things from what's happening. You know, I felt like things were going, you know, in the right direction. I had, you know, I've just been in the district for three years. And promoted, it, you know, two times uh, over the course of those three years. But over the course of that year, um, you know, I, as I said before, I knew that things would, would be coming down the pipe um, in assuming that role and being somebody that the community, certain segments of the community, I should say, um, just weren't used to seeing people that looked like me in those roles. But we know how important it is for our students of color to see people that look like them in these positions Our other students that are in in these spaces. So often, who do they see that looks differently than them in positions, uh, even as teachers, even in the classroom? Um, And so I knew it was a big deal to assume this position in such a district and felt like we were making some headway
4: in a statement, a Grapevine Colleyville spokeswoman reiterated that the school district's actions against Whitfield had nothing to do with his views on racism or critical race theory, writing, quote, The decision to place Dr. Whitfield on paid administrative leave resulted from numerous deficiencies and violations on the part of Dr. Whitfield over the course of the past year.
2: Whitfield hasn't given up hope that he could be reinstated. The school board plans to hold a hearing to allow him to defend his actions before taking a final vote on firing him though no date has been set yet. He's hired an attorney and says he plans to keep fighting. But as he watches residents go to war with each other over his job, Whitfield says he's worried about the message his case might send, not only to his students, but to other educators in Texas and
7: nationally. Um, people are going to watch the events unfolding, especially educators of color, and they're going to see this and go, there's, there's no way I'm going to sign up to be subject to that kind of treatment. Um, yes, I love kids. Yes, I want to—that's That that's in my heart. I've got a passion for it. But I'm not going to sign up for that level of treatment.
4: Coming up, we'll bring in three other educators from around the country. Like Whitfield, all three have become the target of angry parents who've accused them of indoctrinating children. We'll be right back. All across the nation this year, there have been reports of teachers and school administrators coming under fire for supporting anti-racism programs or for teaching about the legacy of racism in America, the kind of stuff that conservatives have branded as critical race theory.
3: My name is Matthew Hahn, and I taught uh, social studies and coached baseball in Sullivan County, Tennessee, and I am currently suspended. For teaching about white privilege
2: In June, the Sullivan County Board of Education voted to fire Matthew Hahn, who's white, after parents complained about some of the assignments he'd given in his contemporary issues social studies class. There were a series of complaints from parents, but the one that got the most attention was when Hahn asked students to read and discuss an article by Ta-Nehisi Coates entitled "The First White President," which links the history of white supremacy with the rise of President Donald Trump.
3: I just wanted to introduce my class to, you know, one of the preeminent journalists in the United States, ta Coates. School
2: district leaders have denied Han's characterizations of why he was punished, saying in public statements that he was disciplined for failing to provide students with a conservative perspective to counter the Coates article and other reading assignments on racism. A district official declined to provide additional
1: comment because Hahn is appealing his termination. I'm Brittany Hogan. I'm the former director of educational equity and diversity for the Rockwood School District.
4: 600 miles away in Missouri, Brittany Hogan was the only Black woman serving as a district-wide administrator in a mostly white suburban school system called Rockwood. As the district's director of diversity, Hogan had been working with Terry Harris, her boss, and the only other Black administrator, on diversity, equity, and desegregation programming.
1: Over the past year, Terry and I have both experienced an extreme amount of racial trauma um, at the hands of community members, trolling us on social media, uh, calling my office, telling me that I'm ungodly and immoral, that my work um, was against the word of God.
4: And it- Hogan says she first started to see parents publicly turning on her work after the school introduced an illustrated children's book called Ron's Big Mission about the racism faced in the 1950s by Ron McNair, the second Black American to go to space. Around September of 2020, the CRT accusations started to fly. And soon, a steady stream of angry parents were showing up at school board meetings.
0: Just because I do not want critical race theory taught to my children in school does not mean that
2: I'm a racist, damn it.
1: And it eventually led to um, some indirect threats that were serious enough that security had to be placed outside of our homes. And so by the time um, April rolled around, I decided that I no longer wanted to stay in Rockwood, that I had to choose myself and that leaving Rockwood would be the best thing for my, not only my physical safety, but my mental health. Her old boss, Terry Harris, has also had thoughts about
2: leaving public education this year. He told us he's sticking with it for now.
6: Physically, I'm still in the system, but emotionally... I've, I've taken, taken breaks as well. I mean, it gets to you emotionally. It gets to you from a health standpoint. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's not we brought
2: James Whitfield, the suspended Texas principal, into our conversation with the fired Tennessee social studies teacher and the two Rockwood administrators.
7: Yeah, honored to be here with you guys today.
4: We started by talking about the case that was freshest in everyone's minds. The vote from the night before to move forward with a formal process to fire Whitfield.
2: I want to hear, Doctor Whitfield, your reaction to the word insubordination.
7: When I heard that word, you know, it's not the first time I've I've heard that word in this particular um, scenario, and you know, there's a lot of other words that were used, disrespectful, but insubordination really really stuck out. And w- what resonated with me is this notion that just because people give us and say certain things to us about the way they feel about things that we're supposed to just take that. So insubordination for me, it came when, you know, I finally had a, had an opportunity when I had to stand up for myself and in doing so you, it's the typical, well, we don't like the way you're doing it. Right. So we're going to try to police that instead of, doing what we should have done in the beginning and have your back so that you didn't have to go out here and defend yourself.
1: Here's Brittany Hogan. The insubordination and the disrespect is the same language that we find in discipline that is often used to describe Black and brown kids a lot of the time. The things that we say that are these cultural nuances that no one can put a label on what it means to be disrespectful or subordinate, but it's the way that they describe Black kids. And here now, this is the way they're describing this Black man. Um, and so, James, like my my heart aches for you because I understand what it's like when you feel like you are very alone and the support is limited. Um,
4: Parents protesting at school boards this year have often talked about how diversity programs and lessons on the legacy of racism in America might affect white children. Specifically, the fear that white kids will be made to feel ashamed of their heritage.
2: In your school systems, have you seen lessons, writings about Black history or by Black authors get introduced and actually seen white kids go home feeling guilty and Anguish. Have you seen that material have a negative impact on their academic experience?
6: No. It, it, no. No. Not, not at all. Terry Harris. Some white kid coming to school saying, I feel bad about being white. Now? No. Not at all. Not even remotely close. You know why? Because white kids are friends with black kids. White kids are friends with other kids of color. White kids are in schools with kids who are part of the LGBTQIA community. Right? They're sitting next to these individuals. And I I hold kids dearly. Kids can do some crazy things, but at the end of the day, I think that they're extremely empathetic. And kids don't want to see other kids hurt. They don't feel bad about this. They're not coming home and saying, Mom, I feel like I'm a racist now. That is not the case. It's not real. These, These young white kids are wanting to know what's happening in this world. How do we get here? And how do we fix it? And these young kids of color are wanting to sit with white kids to tell that story. The young people are wanting to talk. It's the adults who are getting in the way and trying to prevent the conversation from happening because the adults are fearful of shame, blame, and guilt.
2: Matthew Hahn says his case shows what's on the line in this fight, not just for students of color, but for white students too.
3: My school system is 98, 99% white. And what I try to do in my class is to get students to understand these perspectives. Like they don't have to agree with the perspective of Ta-Nehisi Coates or Kyla A. Lacy. That that's not what I'm looking for in a grade. But they can they can at least understand their perspectives. And now all of a sudden we're saying, well, that perspective is no longer allowed. I think teachers across the country should be
6: concerned with. Uh, specifically concerned with Matthew's story. The notion that we're questioning the professionalism of teachers, I I think that we should be concerned with that, right? I think that teachers are professional enough to be able to say, okay, here is a thought here. Here is a thought here. And then encourage students to make a decision about what they think either way and find another thought that maybe we haven't thought about. If this is happening to Matthew, and his small school district in Tennessee, um, then, you know, damn it, it's coming to New York and LA and Chicago and St. Louis, and we should all be concerned about this movement.
2: All four educators said they'd been listening to our podcast on Southlake and connecting their own experiences to key moments in the series. Harris recalled the moment when Raven Roll, a Black Carol senior, confronted a white classmate who'd been arguing in class that the N word wasn't offensive.
4: Well, to me,
3: it's just a word, so it doesn't affect. It's not
2: just a word. Don't even say that. Yeah. Do you know what that means?
4: How are you going to look at me in my face
3: right
4: and on. tell me that that is just a word? Do
6: you know but the, the, the student, and she's meeting in the principal's office? I think about this, James. That principal or that student is meeting in your office. You're the principal behind that desk with that white student talking about these different issues. And she's crying and she's upset and she doesn't necessarily have the language that she, she has the language, but she cannot get the language out because she's so emotionally engulfed by this issue. And what she really needed, James, Dr. Whitfield, she needed you to be the principal or she needed Brittany to be the administrator, to be behind that desk that can breathe with her and say, I got you, you're safe, say what you need to say. And then that other student, the white student in this case, needed a a teacher like Matthew to be able to say, wait, pause, just listen to her, understand where she's coming from. And then being able to then uh, help that student understand that perspective. So what this really is about is about perspectives, who perspective get to be told, whose stories get to be centered, whose stories get to be uplifted. And what is that going to mean for our school system moving forward?
4: Whitfield said he was heartbroken listening to M, a queer high school student, pleading with her principal to do something about the boys who'd sent her Instagram messages mocking her gender identity. He listened to that episode the morning before the school board voted to begin his termination process.
7: Like, I literally broke into tears when I heard this, this young person saying that I did not feel safe in my school. Um, and to, to think, wow, like, for, for that student to be in that space. And then what broke my heart even more is when she apologized at the end. And
2: it's like, oh, just tell us if it happens again. But it's like, how many agains have to happen to other people, you know? Like, it's just annoying. Um, I'm sorry.
5: <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm sorry that you're getting upset.
7: That really That really hit me because so often, while you are the one that's being victimized, it's being framed as such to you that by the time you're done with the conversation, you're so beat down that you're just you just leave and say, "Well, I'm sorry," and you just put your head down and you walk out the door and you feel so defeated. So I felt him uh, in that in that moment. How long are we going to continue this treatment of our of our young people, this treatment of of people of color, other marginalized communities, to where they're left to be the ones walking out the door? saying, I'm sorry, but essentially I'm the one that's been attacked and, and victimized in this whole situation.
2: Um, you know, I think there's a lot of question in, in each of your communities about healing and unity and how people come together after a really divisive um, and awful year. Do you see any possibility of healing, restorative justice coming back together here or is that something you're really going to do just for yourself on an individual level?
3: I guess I'm more focused on myself at this point, Um, doing things like this and just hearing uh, Dr. Whitfield and, and Brittany and Terry, you're all's stories. I'm sitting here shaking my head going, yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. And so it's um, as awful as it is, it has been, helpful for me to hear that other people, that I'm not alone in this.
1: I agree with Matt. I'm in the space of doing my own healing and um, taking a pause from the traditional educational setting but knowing that the work was always bigger than my time there at the school district that the work continues that I will continue that I will continue to be a voice that speaks about these things because this work matters and if I care about how the children are then I have to continue to show up for them every day.
7: Yeah, and I, I think it's the same for me uh trying to be in this space where I take care of you know myself and my family there's been a lot of trauma inflicted over the course of this time. So really thinking about healing uh, and unity of the o- overall community uh, while I, I love <laughs> those people just really trying to take care of it. You know, I've got a nine-year-old here at the house uh, who he's really, while I'm trying to mask it, he can tell that dad, like they can see it. They can see it in our faces. and um, So he's clung ever close to me over the course of the last couple months. And so just trying to work on that healing. but. I'm hopeful that maybe while while it's a difficult time for us right now um, our young people can can lead us into brighter days and show us that we are capable of so much more than what we've exhibited throughout the course of this time and when I say we I mean I'm, we're we're all in this together
6: yeah I would say for me um we can't go back to normal right we you know, if, if James, if, if, if the school board decides to reverse their decision and say, hey, we're going to bring you back next year and you're going to be the principal um, and we're going to give you a 10 year contract. Right. Like that's wonderful. And that's great. But at some point, you're, we're going to have to sit down and talk about what happened to me. Like what happened? Like how did we get here? How I feel about it and what I need in order to heal. But at some point, if you're not willing to do that, then I, I'm going to have to move on and control my own healing.
4: Whitfield said he hopes hearing these stories will inspire people to support educators after what's been a difficult year.
7: I'm hopeful that the work that, that we're doing, you know, the, the awareness that we're bringing to the issue would help people to not feel alone like several of us in this space right here. There are people that see you, we hear you, we value you, and you are important because ultimately we need people that are on fire for kids and if we're not there to support them, uh, if we're not you know, screaming and showing up in, in, in defense of them, then we're going to lose those people.
2: To everyone who's followed along with this series, thank you. We would love to hear what you think about the reporting. To share your reactions or to tell us about what's happening at your local school board, send us an email at southlake at nbcuni.com.
4: Southlake was written, reported, and hosted by me, Mike Hixenbaugh.
2: And by me, Antonia Hilton. The series is produced by Franny Kelly. Our story editors are Julie Shapiro and Michelle Garcia. Production help and fact checking by Rachel Young. Sound design by Seth Samuel. Original music by Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Reed Churlin is our executive producer. Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial.
0: Hey, it's Mel Robbins